Welcome to the Locked On Islanders Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Gil Martin. I'm an Islanders columnist and historian, and I wrote the book Ice Wars, which covers the complete history of the Islanders' rivalry with the Rangers from 1972 to the modern era. All right, everybody, welcome to the Tuesday edition of the Locked On Islanders podcast. We've got a lot to talk about on today's show. Finally, an answer about Ilya Sorokin and what the Islanders can and cannot do regarding the best goalie not in the NHL right now. We will break it all down and explain it to you and tell you what's going to happen next. We also have our Islanders' birthday of the day, and we will take a look at some of the news around the league. We have a finalized agreement now. Players still have to vote on it. We'll break it all down for you and uh, also preview a little bit more of the Islanders-Panthers playoff series, which is going to get underway on or about August 1st. So lots to talk about on today's show If there's something that's on your mind, feel free to send us an email. If you have a question, a comment, a topic you'd like us to discuss, the email address here, LockedOnIslanders at gmail.com. If you leave your name and where you're from, like, uh, you know, Bobby from Hicksville, for example, uh, we're more than happy to mention you on the air when we talk about whatever it is that's on your mind. You can also follow the show on Twitter at LockedOnIsles. And you can follow me, Gil Martin, on Twitter at IceWarsNYRVSNYI. And we'll keep you up to date on all the latest news and notes about the Islanders. All right, so here's the big thing. The big piece of news right now is that Ilya Sorokin is allowed to sign an entry-level contract with the Islanders for the 2019-2020 season. That's the good news. The bad news, however, is that Sorokin would not be able to play for this year. So, if the Islanders sign Ilya Sorokin for this season, once the play-in playoffs get underway in August... And if the Islanders advance beyond that first round against the Florida Panthers, they cannot add Sorokin to the roster and let him play in any games. And look, let's face it, that's not necessarily devastating news for the Islanders based on what we know about the coaching staff and Barry Trotz and based on what we know about the way the Islanders do things, I think it's safe to say that at best, at best, Sorokin would have been the third choice 
for the Islanders in this year's playoffs. He wasn't going to start ahead of Simeon Varlamov or Tomas Grice. Those two players have experience. They are comfortable in the National Hockey League. They know their teammates. And you think that's a small thing, but quite honestly, in the playoffs especially, it's not. When a goalie goes behind the the net, you know, in the trapezoid area and leaves the puck for his defenseman or passes the puck to a defenseman or a forward, it actually can be vital that the goalie and the player are on the same page. The goalie has to know, okay, uh, Adam Pellick is coming back for the puck. He likes it if I just leave the puck behind the net. Or he prefers that I pass it to him in the corner before he gets behind the net. Uh, He's a fast, you know, this defenseman is a fast skater, and if I lead him a little bit, he'll pick up speed and be able to head up ice and start a good rush. Knowing how players like to get the puck and how their skill set fits in that, you know, you can bring out and maximize their skill set, those are important factors to look at when you're figuring out how to play the puck. And the one thing you don't want to have happen, especially if you're a low-scoring team like the New York Islanders, you cannot afford to have an inexperienced goalie turn the puck over because he's not familiar with his defenseman, because he doesn't know the way his defensemen like to get the puck or play the puck or what have you. That could result in a goal against, and when you're trying to win one nothing, 2-1, to 3-2, that becomes a big issue for the New York Islanders. So it, it doesn't really matter that much. The problem is this, and it, it is that Sorokin, he could practice with the team now that this uh, is included in the new collective bargaining agreement, and that will be helpful. That will help him start to get to know his teammates, get to know uh, and adjust to the size of the rinks here in North America. They're narrower, less wide than the KHL and European or international-sized rinks, and get him into the United States or Canada, as the case may be, get him to adjust a little bit to North American culture, to hearing English all the time, all the things, you know, start looking for a place to live, all the things that you, as a person, forget as a hockey player, but as a person, need to do to make a big move internationally. Um, And he can gain some experience. The reason that it's bad for the Islanders and we did touch on this a little bit in uh, an earlier show, is that, yeah, this would be Sorokin's entry-level contract, but it means that next year, if the Islanders want to sign him for 2020, 2021, and beyond, first of all, he would become a restricted free agent, and second of all, you know, the entry-level contract is worth $925,000 for the Islanders, that's a bargain. But if it's the entry-level contract is burned this year and he can't play, then you're talking about a situation where the Islanders have to pay him a heck of a lot more money next year 
if they sign him as a restricted free agent to a new contract. Now, that's good because it will encourage Ilya Sorokin to sign and come to the United States to play for the Islanders because he can make more money in the NHL than he usually could in the KHL. However, with the Islanders' salary cap situation already an issue, and with the new CBA putting further restrictions on trading away bad contracts, it's going to make things a little more challenging for Lou Lamorello and the Islanders' organization to try to find a good place uh, for Sorokin and fit the team under the salary cap, get that goal scorer the team needs, re-sign Matthew Barzal and the other uh, restricted free agents. So not an impossible situation, probably good in the long run for the Islanders, but a bit of a challenge as far as the salary cap goes uh, if they can sign Sorokin. So they have a few days now uh, to sign him and get him over here for camp. Uh, let's see. We're going to keep an eye on this very closely. And, of course, we'll have all of the latest news and information for you both on our Twitter feed and here on the Locked On Islanders podcast. Chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers, but rockauto.com's prices are the same for everybody, and they are reliably low. rockauto.com always offers the lowest prices possible, rather than changing prices based on what the market will bear like airlines do. rockauto.com is for everyone. You don't need a membership or an account logon. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or your daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks, and they deliver the parts directly to your door, which is very important during this difficult time. RockAuto.com has a catalog that is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. You can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand, specifications, and prices you prefer. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck, and you can write locked on in there. How did you hear about us, Box? So they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Rockauto.com. Okay, so on yesterday's show, we talked about how the NHL and the Players Association were close to finalizing an extension of the collective bargaining agreement. Well, late last night, that actually did happen. So now a memorandum of understanding has been reached. There will be a four-year extension of the current collective bargaining agreement, but it still has to be voted on by both the NHL Board of Governors and the union's uh, members as well. If it goes ahead and is approved by both sides, the CBA will run through the end of the 2025-2026 season, and uh, that's a good thing. Here are the final details laid out as per this agreement. Training camps will get underway July 13th. Teams will travel to their hub cities, and that's going to be Edmonton and Toronto, July 26th, and the qualifying play-in round, best of five series, Islanders and Panthers, they will get underway August 1st, and Edmonton will be hosting the Stanley Cup final and the conference final, uh, according to this agreement. 
Now, players have the right to opt out of the league's return to play plan without facing any uh, discipline or getting into any difficulties. Escrow has been capped at 20% next season, and it will keep going down until it reaches just 6% in 2025-2026. NHL players will be playing at the Beijing Olympics in 2022 and the 2026 Olympics in Milan, assuming that the NHL can work out an agreement with the International Olympic Committee. And here's the part that we talked about on yesterday's show that is a little bit tricky. All no-trade and no-movement clauses will follow players to their new teams after they're traded, even if that no-movement clause hasn't kicked in yet. So if a player has a five-year contract, they're two years into it, there's a no-movement clause for years four and five, when they get traded, that clause continues in place when the new team takes over. And the salary cap, by the way, frozen at $81.5 million dollars until hockey-related revenue hits $4.8 billion, and that was the number that was expected to be the hockey income this year before the pandemic closed everything down. So we have an agreement, and here's the best part about this. No lockouts, no strikes for the next six years. That, my friends, is good news, because unfortunately... We have seen Gary Bettman use the lockout as an effective weapon, what is it, three times already? He has disrupted numerous NHL seasons as a strategy in the collective bargaining. The players get hurt, the fans get hurt, because essentially, you know, we had one season where there was no hockey, a couple of seasons where the the actual, you know, season didn't get underway until January, and we had half of a, of a year, 48 games, for example. We don't have to worry about that for another five-plus years, and that is very good news for hockey fans, without question. And look, we have a plan now in place to resume play, and that's a good thing. But at the same time, there are issues out there as far as practicality goes. Yesterday, Monday, the NHL announced that nine more players have tested positive for the coronavirus after reporting to team training facilities for voluntary workouts. So, 396 players have been tested, according to the league. 2,900 tests have been administered. 23 players have come back positive. That's eight more than the last results released on June 29th. The NHL does not release the identity uh, of the, the players, but look, clearly... This is something that we all have to be aware of. And by the way, in addition to those tests that we announced, another player who was not at his team facility taking part in phase two uh, also tested positive. So 12 players outside of the team facilities have now tested positive for coronavirus. All players who tested positive are 
following CDC guidelines in the United States, Health Canada protocols in Canada, and basically, you know, we got to watch this. And, you know, look, the league has taxi squads and different things uh, set into motion to make it so that a few positive tests will not result in a shutdown of this Stanley Cup playoff competition. But clearly, if enough players test positive, if it turns out that it won't be safe to play hockey, uh, you know, we get through the play-in round or the or the first, you know, round of the of the playoffs. And, you know, after the first round, that's roughly when I'm going to say two weeks have gone by since uh, teams got into the bubble, into the hub cities. If all of a sudden, you know, a lot of players start testing positive, they may have to shut it down. And obviously, we all hope that is not necessary. But keep in mind, you know, same thing with baseball, same thing with the NBA, just because they are able to start their season or their playoffs or what have you doesn't mean they'll be able to safely finish. I hope they will. I Lord knows I would really love to see sports on TV again, even if attending a live game is still a long ways off. So fingers crossed and hopefully they will be able to uh, play through and, and crown a Stanley Cup champion in 2020. And, you know, I think the beautiful thing for Islander fans this team has as good a chance as almost anyone if they get the goaltending they need. I have little doubt that Simeon Varlamov or Tomas Grice can get hot and carry this team through a round or two and then, you know, either switch goalies or if the goalie stays hot or if the Islanders' offense picks up. You know, if they get hot at the right time, the Islanders showed with their 17-game point streak earlier in the year, they're capable of beating anybody. And they're also capable of losing to anybody. You know, out of the 24 teams in the playoffs, I believe the Islanders ranked, depending on the uh, power ranking you're looking at, somewhere between 10th and 14th, i.e. right in the middle of that pack. And how many times in the Stanley Cup playoffs in the past have we seen, you know, an eighth seed in, in a conference or a sixth seed in a conference go on a long playoff run? Last year, for example, in the playoffs, all four division winners lost in the first round. It happens in the NHL. It's one of the beautiful things about the Stanley Cup playoffs. So we shall see whether or not the Islanders are the team to get hot this year and go on that long run. They did it in 1993, for example. They did it back in 1975. I'd say, you know, since 1993, the Islanders are due. They're due to go on a lengthy playoff trek. And hopefully this year they can do it. All right, time for our Islanders birthday of the day. Gotta say there was only one Islanders player uh, in the history of the franchise born on July 7th. And he wasn't an Islander for very long. I'm talking of Tony Herkic, uh, born 54 years ago today in Thunder Bay, Ontario. Originally a second-round pick of the St. Louis Blues, 
back in 1984, played at the University of North Dakota for a couple of years before joining the Blues for the 1987 Stanley Cup playoffs, then played for the Nordiques, was with the San Jose Sharks, Chicago Blackhawks, had a second stint with the Blues, played for the Dallas Stars, the Edmonton Oilers, and the Anaheim Mighty Ducks and Atlanta Thrashers. But in the middle of that, in 1999-2000, Tony Herkus played seven games for the New York Islanders and picked up two assists in those seven games. After that seven-game stretch, the Islanders traded Herkus and Dean Malcox to the Anaheim Mighty Ducks in exchange for Ted Drury. That trade made October 29th. 1999. So two assists is essentially uh, the offensive output for Tony Herkus. And uh, let's take a look back at one of those two games in which he got a point. And uh, interestingly enough, it took place on October 16th, 1999, Continental Airlines Arena, home game for the New Jersey Devils. Felix Potvan in goal for the Islanders. Martin Brodeur, the netminder for the Devils. Islanders getting on the board first, just three minutes, five seconds into the game. Long Island native Chris Ferraro got his first goal of the season. The assist to Tony Herkus uh, at 3.05. Islanders leading one to nothing. That was just after a fight between the Islanders' Brad Isbister and the Devils' Sheldon Soure. In the second period, however, the Islanders get into some trouble. Claude Lapointe off for tripping, and the Devils take advantage. Scott Gomez scoring on the power play a minute 35 into the second period. Sergei Nemchinov and Brian Ralston with the assists again uh, a minute 35 into the period after 40 minutes. We were all even at 1-1. One and one. In the third period, New Jersey took the lead. Christoph Oliwa, his third goal of the year. Scott Gomez and Brian Rafalski with the assist at 343. And the Devils were trying to hold on to that one-goal lead. Islanders, however, getting into some penalty trouble. They had a power play chance first when Lyle Oderlein was called for hooking at 531. But... The Islanders were unable to cash that opportunity in. And then Jamie Rivers of the Islanders called for holding the stick at 13:36. Bobby Holik made the Islanders pay. His sixth of the year, Scott Gomez and Lyle Odeline with the assists. And it's 3-1 New Jersey. Devils get into penalty trouble. Vadim Sharifayanov. Off for high, sticking at 18-10. Islanders pull their goalie to get a two-man advantage, but they end up giving up an empty net shorthanded goal. Scott Stevens, his first, unassisted at 18-22. Got to give credit to Felix Potvan. The Islanders were badly outshot in this game, 42-30. Uh, but 38 saves for Felix Potvan. Uh, but not enough in this game. Martin Brodeur, tough to beat. Islanders fall 4-1 to one to the New Jersey Devils, but it was one of the two games in which Tony Herkus uh, picked up a point. 
during his very brief New York Islanders career. Uh, no Islander in this game was a plus player, and no Islander uh, had a multiple-point game. As far as shots on goal are concerned, Marius Tchaikovsky, Jamie Rivers, and Mark Lawrence, each with four shots on goal to pace the Islanders. But regardless of the brevity of his time with the New York Islanders, uh, once again, want to wish a very happy 54th birthday to Thunder Bay, Ontario native Tony Herkus, uh, who is our Islanders' birthday of the day. Uh, so happy birthday to Tony as we look back at one of the two games he picked up a point on. It was October 16th. 1999. If you're enjoying the show, please do leave us uh, a five-star rating on your podcatcher of choice and tell a friend, uh, tell a family member, tell a fellow Islanders fan, you know, leaving a a five-star rating and a review does help other Islander fans find the podcast, helps us grow the Locked On Islanders family. That wraps up this edition of Locked On Islanders. Now, Tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of Locked On NHL. Have a great day, everybody. Stay safe. Remember, every day gets us one day closer to the resumption of hockey. And, of course, let's go Islanders.